0: Welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show in your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel and my blog on LiphasResearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Maribel Lopez. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined here today with Scott Wharton. Scott is the VP and general manager for the video collaboration group at Logitech. Um, He's been at Logitech since 2015. He's been in a variety of startups and had a lot of other fun before that. Um, And now we are talking about Logitech. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Logitech. But Scott, can you spend a few moments describing what the company does and what you do in your role?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think most people know Logitech for mice and keyboards yep. and webcams and you know, younger people know us about Logitech G and gaming. But what you might not know is that we are the biggest player for video collaboration equipment in the world. And that wasn't always the case when I started seven years ago. It's about seven years. we were a tiny little group um, with about two percent market share with like a webcam and a small little conference room system, but now one out of every two conference rooms worldwide is Logitech. So we've made an incredible amount of progress in uh, in the enterprise market.
0: You know, it's interesting for me, and I'm not going to quite give away how old I am with this, but uh, the first job I looked at was actually at um, Polycom, which was doing video back in the day. And it was a long yeah. time ago, I have to say. And it's really interesting to see how the market has changed since then. And I'm sure that you're experiencing quite a bit of growth and change and excitement in the space. And one of the things that we were talking about is this, you know, this is a podcast about hybrid work, but it's also a podcast about work in general. So I'm wondering, as you talk to companies who are looking at, I have things I could do in the office, I have things that people want to do remotely, how are, how are companies talking to you about video? And what are some of the concerns companies are asking you about today?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, hybrid work, I think, is now just work. (laughs) Right. Regardless of what companies are doing, you know, there's some people who are mostly back in the office and some people who are mostly remote. But, you know, most companies have a mix. And I think that's just the new way of working these days. So that's the starters. I think the second thing that happened is pre-pandemic video was growing, you know, 40, 50 percent. But, Most of the people are still like, video, do I really need it? Like, I can just be on my 1-800 conference call, whatever. I think most people realize now that that's a terrible experience and video is a lot better. Um, So I think the the question now is not, are you going to be in a hybrid mode and are you going to use video? It's how do you do it? How do you make it most effective? And I think one of the biggest questions we get asked is, all right, um, pre-pandemic, you had a lot of people in conference rooms, you know, so that was pretty easy to connect. During the pandemic, we were all home in our small little boxes that were all equal. You know, we, we kind of figured out how to do that. But now in hyperwork, work, in some ways, it's actually harder. So maybe you got 15 people in a conference room and 15 people remote. And the 15 people remote, if we're honest, they can't really see and hear the people that well in a room. So I think a lot of what we're working on and the feedback we get from customers is, how do I you know, kind of emulate that experience that we had when we're home but getting the benefits of all being back in the office. That's a lot of what we're working on today. And I'm sure we could talk more about that.
0: I had to laugh because I've gone from an environment where I always said to people, let's do a video meeting and nobody wanted to take me up on the video meeting. Now, literally every meeting I have, even this podcast is in fact a video meeting. So it, it just makes me laugh that when I, when I hear you say that. So do we find that there are different types of companies, like when people are talking about video, are, are there certain verticals or other things that are doing things differently? Or is there any way to categorize what companies are doing with video today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say a couple of ways to think about it. One is, I think for the most part, pre-pandemic, video was mostly in not in government, healthcare and and education. It was pretty much all in person. I think that is changing a lot in, in different ways. I'd say also there are companies that are culturally you know, more in this philosophy of I'm going back to the office or you're mandating that you go back to the office. Whereas I think more in the tech industry and on the coast, there's more of an attitude of we want to encourage people to go back, but we, you know, we're happy with remote. So I think one of the biases that I see for people who are virtual workers like us or tech workers is, oh, no one's going in the office. And that's not really true. I think if you go to the center of the U.S. or you go to Europe or Asia, the reality is most people are going back more often than not, although there are exceptions to that. But I think the world is definitely having, having a mix. But, um, you know, I, I saw some stat the other day that in Manhattan, only 8 percent of people are back full time, which is mm-hmm. shocking. But, you know, there are other stats in the middle of America. It's more like 70, 80 percent now or people are back most of the time. So it, it is really a mix. And then on the vertical side, we are seeing more schools and school districts. You know, think about video is not something that's optional, but serving people who can be remote or sick. Um, and the same thing about doing remote medicine, uh, which I think a lot of people got comfortable with during the pandemic, um, and even in government where there used to be, oh, the town hall meeting is in the town hall. And now they're like, wait a minute, if you want it to be more democratic, we should really open it up. But I think it kind of begs the question, like I've heard some stories about town hall meetings where, you know, people dial in and they've got a webcam and 50 people are there and they're like, this is not working. So I think everybody's trying to figure out, well, how do I do this now, where you have this mix of people in different places?
0: I think that is one of the most difficult challenges related to collaboration right now. And I know there's there's been a big discussion of, well, in order to collaborate, you need to be back in the office. I, I don't think that's true. I think you can collaborate wherever you are. I don't deny that there are some benefits of collaborating personally. But I think some of the things that you were talking about at the beginning where we were talking about the biggest concerns, there is a lot of discussion now about how do I retrofit my office spaces to have something that is more conducive for collaboration? How do I make it easier, better? And then as another concern to that is, and how do I make it work as well for the people that aren't in the room? That's right. And I think that's going to take us a while to figure out what that looks like. Does it mean that we all have to be in the room with the video? Does it change how we think about room systems? Does it change how we think about creating larger venue space for what you were talking about, town halls and the like? But I guess this leads me into my next question. So how do you view technology changing the landscape and, and what do you think people should be aware of?
1: Well, before I answer the tech question, I would say there, I think there is a fallacy out there that we are going back to the office. And what I would say is it made sense when everybody lived within a 30 mile radius, but that's not true anymore. We see people spreading out all over the place. And I know that you're not in a tech super city, which is great. Um, And not everyone needs to live in San Francisco or New York. So I think part of what happened during the pandemic is we gave people the permission to hire and work different places. So what does it mean to go back to the office when two thirds of the people you work with are not there? So first of all, I think we need to get rid of this idea that we're going back because not most people are not going back if you live remotely. And I would say the second thing is um, I think we're moving from a world of video that was very simple where you had a uh, you know camera, one camera in the front to this idea that we say is more like a sporting event. So think about it. if you're watching the sporting event at home, in some ways, it's better to watch it remotely than being there. So instead of sitting up in the nosebleed seats, you know, you've got this great view and multiple cameras and director and statistics and analysis and commentary. Um, that's a pretty good experience. So part of what we're trying to do is replicate that in a way in a conference room. So think about that. Multiple cameras, smart AI, moving things around our, our mantra is we want video to not be almost as good as being there, but maybe better than being there. Kind of like the sporting event. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't times where you get together and go out to dinner and have fun, but, um, so the idea that you could almost have a better view of being remote at home than being in the office where you're, someone's whispering and you can't hear them, or at least be able to accommodate the people who are remote, having a great experience and not being second-class citizens, that's kind of our North Star. And we're doing a lot of things with a combination of software and hardware to complement Zoom, Microsoft, Google, et cetera, to kind of give people that experience. In some ways, what we say is we want to do a little bit more Hollywood and a little less Silicon Valley. Like in Hollywood, they know where to move the camera around. You're not sitting at home with a remote control like watching a video on Netflix. Like it's ridiculous, right? So why does it have to be that way in a video meeting? It should just work and should just move around and be great. Now now we're quite a bit away from where the Nirvana experience is there, but we've done a whole bunch of things recently to make it way better than it was in the past.
0: And I think what you're talking about is, is fabulous because where we're moving is, okay, the first wave was just to get people to adopt video. And I think we all had some vision of what that might look like and what it would do. And then there's the reality of it. It's yeah. just like the reality of computing in general. It's like you start <laughs> with one thing and people are using it and they're like, from, from your perspective, it's like, Oh, well, the, the mouse could move smoother or oh, the video camera could uh, track better. And you start to realize all the opportunity of enhancing an experience and actually turning it into something that it never was before. So really breaking the paradigm of what that experience is and recrafting it in a new world where we've yeah. now tried things and we now understand the issues and the opportunities.
1: I totally agree. I mean, I, I would say there, there is a bunch of plumbing work that we in the industry had to do, like just making the audio and video better. And also thinking about that, the audio and video experience that you have at home is very different when you're in a big room. You need the requirements are a lot harder. Um, but also, once you get the basics done, and I think we're getting pretty close to doing that, then you can get into more of this AI and moving the camera around and analytics and, and really emulating that, that, you know, big sports or big Hollywood kind of vision or idea. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing, like the ability to have the camera move around to be able to frame around you. Or there's a feature now called grid view where you can pull out people's tiles. So being mm-hmm. in a conference room, but show them as if you were being at home. So you kind of get that best of both worlds where you're in the room, you get to sit with your colleagues and chit chat with them, but also the remote user can see people pretty, you know, they get their great view of seeing their face rather than seeing those like little ants, you know, the back of a conference room. So those are some of the things we're doing from a tech point of view, which are, you know, they're pretty hard, but um, I think we've come a long way to being able to solve some of those problems.
0: Is this one of those things where you think AI will help a lot in terms of moving us forward.
1: Absolutely. Um, We like to joke that in an ideal world, you know, we'd have Steven Spielberg in every room, but since we can't afford him, you know, we, get, we have to do it in software. So that's really the only way to do it. And then it's not just a matter of having multiple cameras. I think the hard thing and the art of it is, where do you point it? You know, So mm-hmm. in, in the old world the video, you know, there's this idea of speaker view. And you know that's pretty good, but you kind of have this ten, tennis match effect. Um, yeah, exactly. And it gets you a little seasick. So I think part of the art is, all right, if you have multiple views and multiple cameras, you know sometimes you want to look at the speaker, but sometimes you want to look at you know the person like this mm-hmm. holding their arms who's or sometimes you want to see the conversation like we have now or you want to see people you know the reaction back and forth and that that is more like a movie or a TV set. so that's kind of again how we're emulating, and it's not just about having lots of cameras and views and the ping pong effect. It's more a matter of what is the right thing to see, and oftentimes it's not the person speaking, it's other things. I love that.
0: What is the right thing to see? I think it gets into trying to make video more contextual.
1: Yeah, we try to uh, say, uh, "What do you want to show?" And I say, "It's where the action's at. What's the action?" Well, sometimes it's different things, but also sometimes in the eye of the beholder. So think about it, in in the near term. You know, we don't. You don't just want to have one common view that goes to a remote user. Like there may be someone who wants to zero in on a particular group of people, or maybe sometimes somebody wants to see the other view. So I think it opens up a whole set of you know, technology challenges. How do, you, how do you get the remote user to be able to change the view when you have when not everybody's controlling the camera? It's possible, but it's hard.
0: I love this because I just went to the Raiders Stadium and I got to go into the video room, basically, where they record everything and and stream everything, and the big panel that has all the different views where. You know somebody's responsible for hitting a bunch of buttons so the cameras go in different places and really, like you said, where the action is that's another great way of linking it back to the sports analogy. so I have to ask, does anybody ask you about the metaverse? People ask me about the metaverse all the time, so I'm wondering if they ask you about the metaverse
1: all, all the time yeah, yeah I mean a, a couple ways to think about it one is in some ways, I would say what we're doing right now is this not the metaverse we're we're living in remote in a virtual world so you could argue that the metaverse is not only about gamers with avatars. Um, it's also about what we're doing. Um, but I think there's also multiple ways to think about the metaverse. So one is, is that gaming with our big VR goggles and headsets on. Um, but another way to think about it is, um, that may be good for gaming, but think about a world where you and I are having this conversation, but instead of being in 2d, we're in 3d. So we're having holograms like star Wars or the Kingsman. And, uh, it's probably not as far off as you think it is. I mean, it probably requires multiple cameras and more bandwidth and different kind of projection systems. But um, I, I I, think that for what we're doing for business meetings, there's a lot of value in seeing the actual human being rather than a cartoon or an avatar. So I almost see it moving more to 3D and holographs as opposed to holograms rather than you know everybody walking around in goggles all day.
0: I can see my my. Um advisory clients popping up saying, help me, Maribel, help me with technology and like Obi-Wan and the uh yeah. Princess Leia in, in Star Wars. And so now we we've gotten to the part where I'm really starting to rethink what my meetings should look like from a Steven Spielberg 3D and Avatar way. And it, it could be very interesting, it could be very scary, but could be very interesting. But no, in, in all seriousness, I think you're you're spot on in terms of like how do we think about what makes sense for the different types of things you're doing? If you're in gaming, it's going to look very different than if you're in a corporate environment, right?
1: Yeah, and I would also add to that, like even like what I'm talking about is more of the traditional meeting where people in different places, but even, you know, one example of something that is just terrible in the virtual world is when you go to a conference and you walk around, it's actually kind of great. You go to a cocktail party or a trade show and you can kind of flex back and forth and meet people and bump into people and their serendipity. Um, doing it online is pretty bad yeah. like i mean i would say all right watching a keynote in some ways may be better but you don't get that bumping into people and having fun and going out for dinner or whatever so i think we as an industry of have, we haven't even scratched the surface yet on that how to do that well um and maybe even be better where you can have that that serendipity of, of bumping into new people and meeting them on, on remotely i would say today it's awful mm-hmm. um but one thing I can guarantee you, the technology will get better and the experience of flying will get worse.
0: Yes, I think we've already seen that. So, uh, yeah. I'd like to say that that's not true, but I, I think we've <laughs> caught on with that one as well. You know, Scott, is there a common misconception in the market that you'd like to set straight right now? I mean, I think you've given a couple of examples, but anything else?
1: I think that, uh. There are many people who are trying to solve these problems and they're, they're really doing like doing it themselves or doing it in a very consumer-like way. Um, and then, so for example, I, I see people all the time putting like a tiny little webcam in a big space or putting a laptop at the front of the table and then complain that the audio and the video is not good enough. And I think what people don't realize is that the the, the market has changed so much between what Zoom, Microsoft, and Google and others are doing and what we're, we are doing with others, where we are moving to this AI multi-camera world. I just think that very, very few people actually know that it exists today. It's not a science fiction thing. So uh, I just for people who are thinking about how do you serve remote people and people back to the office and also want to incent people to come back rather than just staying at home. I think a lot of the solutions exist today. They just, you have to kind of look for them and be aware of it. And I think The vast majority of people that I talk to who are not, you know, IT people living this all day, they just don't know.
0: Right. I think you actually hit on a um, really interesting point, and that's that the people that could be driving interesting new experiences need to understand more about what's possible. The people delivering those experiences need to kind of connect better and say, hey, what would be different and interesting and work better for you so that we can take it to the next level? Because there is a lot of opportunity. And to your point, you need to have some vision and design that in at the outset so that you're purchasing the right things and that you're giving people the best experience possible or the right experience for what their environment is because not all environments are created equal in the sense of what everybody needs. So...
1: Yeah, I agree with that, and I think there's also an opportunity where I think pre-pandemic, I think there was an assumption if you want to be successful, you kind of had to move to New York or San Francisco or London. That was where a lot of the great jobs were, and if you wanted to live other places, you had to make those compromises. I don't think that's true anymore. I think we're living in in an age where you can live in Charleston or other places around the world, and uh, you can still participate in the global economy in a meaningful way. So I'm I'm really excited about that—the the ability of maybe. In our own small way, we, we take a little chip out of the inequality that's in our society by letting people that are not just living in these big cities, but anywhere, have access to the job of their dreams.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, any career advice that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: I think that in a world where you are remote, um, it's very easy to be transactional and having video meetings, but you still need to do the things about building relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the things that, that Jeff Bezos says or other technology leaders, I, they, you know, some of these people talk about what will change in technology over the next 10 years. I love the idea of what will not change. And the one thing that will not change is that human beings like working with human beings. So true. So I think it's still important to figure out, all right, if you're going to take advantage of living in this remote world, that's the flip side of that is how do you still build relationships? And I would argue like a one hour video meeting, it's really almost as good and practically as good as being there, but it doesn't, you don't build a relationship in a way that you go out to dinner, or person's wedding, or, you know, shooting the breeze when you're walking around the office. So I think you have to, you have to meaningfully think about how am I going to do that and get the best of work, both worlds. If you're only remote, you will miss out on building those relationships. And if you believe that human beings are motivated by working with people they like, which I do, you got to figure out a way to do both.
0: Yeah, absolutely totally with you on that. So bonus question to close out, is there a book, a podcast, an activity, a place you'd like to recommend to the audience and why? doesn't have to be tech related.
1: Um, that's a great question. I, I, I love the book Radical Candor. Mm. It's a book by a woman named Kin Scott who lives around here in Silicon Valley. And a lot of it talks about how, uh, how you can manage people in a world where, you know, you can't just command and control people, but you have to win people over through soft skills and having them believe that you care about them. I think the idea of radical candor sounds like being giving someone obnoxious truth, but it's actually more about, you know, her, her fundamental view is if you want to be a great leader and a manager, you actually have to show genuinely that you care about somebody. Because if you give someone feedback and they, they think they don't care about you, they're going to dismiss it as, oh, and like, they don't, they're a jerk. Whereas if they you someone believes you really care about them, I think it's a very Silicon Valley way of the good part of Silicon Valley about how do you manage people in a in a in a meaningful way. So I really like that. It's a, it's a business book, but sort of related to this.
0: That's wonderful. I think it fits perfectly, and and particularly in a day when we're going to have new managers trying to figure out how to manage in a distributed world. So I think candor is going to be very important. Scott, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And I really look forward to seeing what you build next and helping us transition into this new world.
1: Great. Thank you. And great having this conversation.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology you.